You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. The Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and I'd like to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our show. We've got a great show. We're talking about uh, immunity, immune resilience, a whole bunch of different and interesting topics with our guest, Romilly Hodges, today. Today's show has been taped, so no opportunity for calling in. Please follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub, RMC on those locations. And you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, all of your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. As mentioned, our guest today is Romilly Hodges, and she is a clinical nutritionist certified by the American Nutrition Association and the state of Connecticut. She is also a certified functional medicine practitioner through the Institute of Functional Medicine. Romilly has spent several years as the Director of Nutrition Programs at the Interdisciplinary Clinic in Connecticut. As well as being a clinician, Romilly has primary nutrition research experience, has written for peer-reviewed journal publication and professional textbooks and training programs, online articles, and has been a speaker at several conferences. She also currently serves uh, on the board for the Accreditation Council of Nutrition Professional Education, a a subsidiary organization of the American Nutrition Association. Romilly is the author of the new book, Immune Resilience. It is published by Penguin Random House and is currently available for pre-order. By this time, you may be able to get, by the time you hear this, you may be able to order it at all of your favorite book purchasing locations. We talk about a number of things today, really interesting topics and topics that I personally am very, very much interested in. Uh, We talk about sequestered nutrients in an immune system challenge, supporting versus boosting our immune system, the role of vitamin D in immunity, proteins and their role in our immune system. Just so much interesting and relevant information. Uh, the, the learning points go on and on and on. So do stay with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk to Romley Hodges. Step down from glory to where 
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, and Romley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's just a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on your upcoming book, uh, Immune Resilience. It's, you know, it definitely caught my eye when um, I saw the book. It's right. It's right. It's something that I, I'm focused on, you know, people who are in this space focus on, especially in the, in the current environment, immune system is something that we hear Mm -hmm. a lot about and definitely want to take deep dives into all the areas of the book that we can cover today. But uh, as we were talking off air, I think maybe a good place to start, well, after you introduce yourself and tell us how you got to this space, is, um, you know, let's start off with there. Introduce yourself, and then we will, um, <laughs> then we'll get into the questions. I'm getting ahead of myself. You go. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, thank you. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, as, as you know, I'm a, a certified nutritionist, and uh, I really came to this as a second career. I used to um, work in a in a, a think tank as a research analyst. And then, you know, I had kids and one of them had a whole bunch of immune challenges. And, you know, as a parent, of course, you're going to do pretty much anything. If you see your kids suffering, um, you know, you'll go to huge lengths to to try to um, help them. And so I really just sort of redeployed my research skills. I ended up retraining um, into the field of nutrition. I did master's degree. I got my state certification, board certification, and, um, you know, spent many years now working um, as part of a, uh, an interdisciplinary clinic where we had physicians and, and nutritionists um, working together on a whole bunch of different cases and really with a big focus on immune health. Um, and that runs the gamut from allergies to asthma, autoimmunity and to, you know, infections as well and, and building that resilience. And I think that you know, there's there's just so much that the research shows now that we can do um, to help our immune system be be strong, um, but not strong in the wrong ways. Um, and and so, what I really wanted to do in coming to this book was gather all of that information together and uh, and really try to share it in a useful way. Well, you're the epitome of uh, children can really change your life, aren't you? <laughs> Put you in quite a different path. <laughs> I hope your children are very did. thankful. <laughs> yes. yeah, well, that's wonderful. They'll get there, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might you might be farther along than now, but eventually they will get there. You're right. Um, so, which brings me to the question that I was jumping ahead on, and I think it's important to. Um, you know, put this out there to you now. We hear a lot, uh, I see a lot on Instagram and wherever about boosting the immune system. And this is what we need to do to fight disease and and boosting and boosting and boosting. But is there a difference in your mind between boosting the immune system and supporting the immune system? Right, right. This is such an important question, actually, because, and it's really the reason that I chose the word resilience in the title of the book, immune resilience, rather than natural ways to boost your immune system or something else like that. Because, you know, our immune system has to um, be strong and defend us against um, things that we don't want to harm us, like potential germs, harmful germs. But it has to also be um, wise, as it were. You know, it has to not be too strong in the wrong ways. It has to not be unruly. And this is, I mean, if you think about it, it's just just incredible challenge that our immune system faces. You have essentially this ocean of tiny particles, microbes, foods, goodness knows what that comes to your body every single day. And your immune system has to sort through that and figure out what's safe um, and what's not safe, and it can't, we don't want it to start attacking things that it shouldn't, like foods. We don't want allergies. We don't want it to attack our own tissue. That would be like autoimmunity. And so we need to support strength in the immune system, but we also need to do um, all that work and be thinking about how do we help our immune system be wise, have balance, use inflammation wisely to um, kill germs, but then dial it down. You know, all of those things we need to be thinking about. So I'm really glad that you brought that up right off the bat because it's just an incredibly important um, thing to keep in mind. So let's diagram a bit. Um, We don't have to definitely dive deep into the, the physiology of the immune system, but 
uh, we have two playing fields, right? One that we're born with, the immune system that we're born with, that we nurture, and then the adaptive or acquired immune system that is, I guess, if we wanted to make it a common space, we're talking about, you know, we can equate it to why you would get a vaccine. Um, so two different types of immune system. Can you, within our overall immune system, two different branches, basically, can you explain them to us? Sure, sure. Yes. So what you're really talking about on one side is our innate immune system. It's what we're born with. um, And it starts protecting us right from the get go. And it's also the the part of the immune system that jumps in right when we encounter something that could potentially be harmful. Um, It's everything from the, uh, the barriers that are in our body, like our digestive tract, it's also our skin, it's all of those different barriers. And then it's the immune cells that are first on the scene that aren't specific to any one germ. They just act generally against a lot of different germs. And that's really, really useful. Um, And then on the other side, we have what you call the adaptive immune system, which is um, well known as well. And that is part of the immune system that can learn about different germs and it can remember them. So it has memory, that's our immune memory. And so after um, the immune system has seen a germ once, the next time you see that germ, it's going to ramp up much more quickly because it remembers. Um, And it also creates immune cells that are uh, and antibodies that work specifically against that germ. So that tends to help us narrow down the collateral damage of inflammation and things like that. So it can be a very effective part of our immune system. But I want to add one more area in here, which we don't normally think of as part of our immune system, but I really think that we have to consider it just as strongly. And that is our microbiome. And in a book, I talk about all these um, commensal, those beneficial bacteria Um, that live in our digestive tracts, they live in our skin, all over really um, every nook and cranny of our body pretty much. Um, And they are really, I would describe them as allies in our immune health as well. And there are just so many things that our microbiota can do for us. Everyone who listens to the show knows that you're singing my song. And (laughs) the microbiome is... You know, we can have show after show after show of the impact of the microbiome. Um, and and people who listen to the show know how important diet is, lifestyle choices, all that going into supporting the microbiome. So now we can yes. connect it to our immune system. We can, but, we can. And and the the thing too is that it's so intricate. It can't be just a matter of popping vitamin C and zinc, can it? I know. I know. I wish. And we do tend to think of that, right? So we, we and, and it, it, through no fault of our own, like we just tend to think, oh, let's support our immune system with vitamin C and zinc or, or maybe echinacea or something like that. And yes, those things are important. But the thing about the immune system is that it is complex. It's a highly sophisticated, multi-layered um, network of systems, really, that operate at many different levels. And each of those levels is influenced by a whole bunch of things that we do every day. You know, what we eat, how we live, maybe nutrients that we take, vitamins, other supplements, things in our environment, um, like toxins or um, how much time we spend in natural environments. It's affected by our sleep, by how um, stressed we are on a regular basis, um, by how much we exercise and in what way we exercise. So all of these things influence these different layers. Um, and so we have to think about it. If we want to really optimize resilience, we have to think about it comprehensively. Um, and the other thing that we need to do is think about it in advance of getting sick because What we know about when we're sick is that everything changes. There's all kinds of things that our immune system has to face in sort of a more challenging environment. Um, And some of those things include nutrient constraints. So, for example, yes, zinc and iron um, are very important for our immune system. But when we get sick, when we have a germ that's creating an infection, our body actually naturally sequesters nutrients like those out of circulation because they can be harnessed by 
that potentially harmful germ for its own growth. So our immune cells become one of those repositories where nutrients are stored. But again, you have to have that um, repletion, that nutrient repletion built up in advance of an infection. It's very interesting, this idea of a holistic approach to the immune system. And that's what you're talking about, right? It's not like a reactionary thing. It's just like we talk about nutrition, just like we talk about other aspects of health. We want to create an environment that our immune system works optimally at. And it can look over, you know, one of the big things that I'm, I'm trying to focus on now is just getting people to take big steps, not the, you know, you know, the, the, what the big steps that can, that can get so much done and accomplished. And so talking about exercise for one thing, because the way you're talking, there's so many tiny little steps that might need to be taken. It it can seem overwhelming, but there must be some, uh, a way that we can support all of our health, which is inclusive of the immune system. Right. Well, you know, for instance, when you, when you mentioned about exercise, um, so for the immune system, one of the things that studies have shown is that if you do regular aerobic exercise, moderate aerobic exercise, depending on your fitness level, um, you know, that will help your immune system. And of course, we also know that that kind of exercise has been shown to be beneficial for all kinds of health situations, cardiovascular health, uh, metabolic health. You know, so, all of these things can um, and often do overlap. And um, one of the important things is that different conditions also influence immune health. So one of the, one of the sections in the book that I try to uh, explain is that we, we have, um, many of us have underlying conditions that can also derail immune res- uh, resilience. So for instance, if our blood sugar runs too high, if we have insulin resistance or even diabetes, um, we know that that impairs immune function. Low thyroid, having dry mouth, even um, things like this, chronic constipation, they can get in the way um, of immune resilience as well. So I do agree, we have to look at things at an even broader level and find strategies that um, will address all of these components at the same time. And, you know, what, what what's needed for me won't be the same as what's needed for the next person mm-hmm. or for you. You know, we each have our different areas that we need to work on. But understanding it and knowing that it can be, I just, you know, we, we compartmentalize things so much and I think it can be overwhelming for people. Um, and I think it's important that your book is, is, it shows people solid steps to help support their immune system. And obviously one of the the big pieces is nutrition. So I I definitely want to get into that as my next question, but you mentioned something and, um, and I think we both kind of glossed over it, but when you talk about the immune system, viruses, sorry, viruses, bacteria, sequestering certain nutrients. So you're talking about, um, things that these viruses are taking from us to flourish and iron was one of them. Can you explain how that works? Yes. Yes. So it is pretty interesting. Um, A nutrient like iron um, is obviously one that is essential to us. We all need it. Um, It's used in a bunch of different reactions um, in our body that produce energy, all kinds of stuff. And the other thing to know is that microbes, germs, um, particularly bacteria, um, but also viruses will harness cellular functions and also nutrients that we have in our body for their own growth, because they have sort of similar ways of creating energy in their own cells. Um, So iron is one of those things. And our body has this mechanism of removing it from your main bloodstream from the main circulation and keeping it out of the way as you know, in some ways from the um, harmful germs that can use it for further growth. One of the places that it stores it is in immune cells. So it, it is connected in that way. And it's kind of, it's very clever mechanisms that keep things um, working as they should. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that can happen. And of course, if we are low in iron, um, which some of us are, but this is something that would need to be tested. That's very important before um, supplementing with iron. 
then you need to, uh, to know that that needs to be uh, sort of repleted in advance of an infection because once you have a germ in your system, that's not the time to be taking an iron supplement because just like your body knows, you could be um, pushing that infection forward in its growth. Zinc is another one um, as well for which this happens. And that's very interesting because zinc is one of the go-tos for people when they get sick. That's one that I hear all the time. You want to take your vitamin C, you want to take your zinc. And so is this information incorrect or is it mis mistimed? Well, the zinc one is a little bit more nuanced than the iron one. So yes, we still take zinc when we have an infection and it has its own antimicrobial um, activity as well. But it's just to know that your body will be adjusting zinc levels in different compartments um, during an infection. So it's also something that you want to take care of ahead of time as well. Another really interesting one is uh, glutamine, actually, because we, we often think of glutamine for gut health because it nourishes the cells that line our digestive tracts. Um, but for when we have an infection, our immune cells actually use glutamine to produce energy at a rate that equals that of glucose, which is its normal um, source of energy. And so we have this also variations in nutrient utilization during an infection, which might mean that we need more of that particular thing. So glutamine um, is something that we find in bone broth for instance, it's in a bunch of different foods, but it's, it's high in something like bone broth. And I think that's a really nice connection because, you know, the idea of chicken soup mm -hmm. <laughs> as one food that nourishes you during a time of infection, it's high in glutamine, which supports the immune cells as well. Fascinating. It, which brings me, well, us full circle around to the nutrition piece of this. We won't be able to cover it all in the first half, but let's get started on it. Uh, key foods, maybe. So someone is, is not sick and you are trying to encourage people to build this healthy immune system so it's prepared. Where do we start nutrition-wise? Yes. Yeah. Well, I like to break it down and be really simple, actually. So from a dietary perspective, dietary patterns are really important, not just individual nutrients, but like what our overall diet looks like. Um, and for me, it's two things to avoid and two things to include. So the two things to avoid or at least reduce in your diet would be sugars and simple carbohydrates, because we know that those really derail our immune system's function, and they also help a lot of bacteria and germs to grow. So, you know, we know that from dental caries, we know that from candida, things like this. Um, and the other thing to avoid would be processed foods as much as possible. And if you get those two categories of foods out of your diet as much as you can, then you are doing a huge amount to take away things that will interfere with your immune system's function. Well, there's then a great there crossover there. So I just, I just wanted to point that out because that's all health. So you've taken a big chunk right. of our immune health and made it simple for us. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, yes. No, I really like to, to join those, that you're like joining the dots between that and how to support overall health as well. Um, and then the two things to add, which you're also going to find that connection with, would be the, the right kinds of plant foods, which would be um, diverse, colorful plant foods, vegetables, herbs and spices, fruits and things like this, whole grains. Um, and then the other category to include would be the right kinds of fats. And I mentioned this because one of the important things that I'm sure your listeners are familiar with um, is that we need to, most of us need to add more anti-inflammatory fats into our diet um, in place of some of the inflammatory fats that we might have. So anti-inflammatory fats would be things like omega-3s, omega-3 fatty acids um, that you'd find in fish and nuts and seeds, especially flax seeds or chia seeds as well. Um, so those would be good things to include. And we need anti-inflammatory dietary components because that is one of the ways that we help our immune system be mature, be wise, be strong, but not unruly. It keeps inflammation in check. 
it's nice to know that there is this common ground with all aspects of health and maybe all aspects of health, honestly, start with the immune system. And it's, you know, maybe that's where it's at. Um, You know, let's take a break here because uh, I don't want to disrupt any of our conversation when I start asking some other questions here. So everyone will be back in just a couple of minutes. Disappointment can't avoid the delay, but I don't have to make feeling down and defeated the place that I stay. Gonna rise to the moment, gonna speak to the ways, gonna push back the doubt that keeps dragging me down when I can't find a way. Don't need to see. are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back. We're talking to Romley Hodges. Uh, Hodges or Hodge, do you say your last name? It's Hodges. Hodges. Yeah. Okay. Hodges. Um, carrying on with nutrition, so we can put uh, a period at the end of the sentence. The connection of protein with the immune system and amounts thereof. Can you give us? Can you elucidate mm. that for us? Absolutely, absolutely. So protein is really the building block of nearly everything that's happening in your body and that exists in your body. It's incredibly important. So our immune cells are full of different types of proteins and the enzymes that they use to do all of their different functions are are made from proteins. They're made from different protein components. We also um, 
need proteins to create healthy gut barriers, which is another really important foundational part of our immune system too. Um, so protein is important for gut health, which is part of our immune system, and it's important for our immune cells and all the antibodies that we produce. They're all produced from proteins, um, all the amino acid components that are the different broken down pieces of protein. So yeah, it's incredibly important. And um, for our immune system, I recommend that we all get adequate amounts of protein. Most of the time, I'm going to recommend something that is uh, along the lines of the general guidance um, from the USDA, which is 0.8, kilogram, 0.8 grams per kilogram of your body weight. Um, so that's usually a good good rule of thumb, but various situations can make that a different make a difference in, in what I would recommend. So for older individuals, I would increase that. Um, other situations like uh, what if you have an infection, for instance, you're going to be using up proteins at a faster rate. So during um, sickness or in recovery thereafter, protein is an important um, addition to the diet as well. Excellent. Okay. Now we scooted over the gut health piece. I pointed out how much <laughs> I love talking about it, but you've brought out some interesting um, pieces to the table that are somewhat new to me and very interesting to me. So I want to spend a little bit of time uh, in the gut health space. So protein as a component of tight junctions, let's talk about that. And then let's move on to the area of fiber, because I think fiber is Maybe mm. misunderstood, not not as as well understood as it should be in the whole process. So, just if you could explain the tight junction and what that has to do uh, in regards to our immune system, that would be great. Yes, yeah. So, tight junctions in our digestive tract are really um, they're linkages, structural linkages between the individual cells that line our digestive tract. And those linkages are basic, basically protein links. They're just created of little protein chains that connect from one um, cell's outer layer to the next cell's outer layer. Um, and we you know, are, are the turnover that we have in our digestive tract of the cells that line that barrier is just really immense. Like it's, it's constant, really. <laughs> There's by the by, you know, five days later, you've entirely replaced the cells that line your digestive tract. So we have this um, very nutrient demanding process that happens all of the time in replacing those cells in the gut and doing it in a way that we don't forfeit the integrity of that barrier so that we maintain those tight junctions. So as you can imagine, protein and other kinds of nutrients are really important um, for keeping that. And then where were we going after this? You, you mentioned something else. We're going else. to go on to fiber, but fiber, interesting right. to note that the fast turnover, uh, you know, it, it, in my mind, it's popping up. Well, that, gi that gives us always, it gives us opportunity to improve. Does that make sense in the process? Yes. Oh, it definitely does. Yes. Yeah, it definitely does. So we always have an opportunity to add the right kind of nutrition in and the right kind of environment for that barrier to be created as best as it can be. So on to fiber, because we always talk about the three macros and fiber is kind of like, and get your fiber every day. But, <laughs> you know, fiber we know is good for gut health. We know is good for elimination of, of toxins. Those are the two, right, the two left and right stages of fiber. What else is there that we're, we don't maybe grasp in its role? About fiber. Right, right. Well, obviously, it's going to be feeding the microbiota and the, the microbiome that resides in your digestive tract. And, and, you know, I think we don't necessarily always talk about all the things that our microbiome, I mean, our microbiome does so many things. So <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, but specifically to the immune system and your resilience against infectious germs or other kinds of immune problems, you know, our, our microbiome is really doing a lot. It's producing short chain fatty acids, which maybe you've talked about those before. Um, and those really nourish, again, the the lining of the digestive tract to keep it nice and healthy. Um, they also modulate our uh, regulatory immune cells, which is our the ones that we want a lot of because they are the ones that help our immune system be strong, but not too strong. Um, and our microbiome also produces these things called bacteriosins. And 
those are a little bit like, um, you know, an antimicrobial ointment, as it were, an antimicrobial cream. They release these substances and they actually inhibit other potentially pathogenic um, germs from operating because we always have this balance right going on in our microbiome we have good guys and we have not so good guys and it's about the balance and who has the upper hand at any one particular time and so we want to keep maintaining that upper hand with the good microbes in our um, digestive tract and in other places as well um and other things to mention about what they're doing is that they're really involved in training our immune system to know what to do. In fact, they've shown this in studies where they've used um, animals that don't have any microbiome. They can do that um, by using antibiotics. And they've shown that if you don't have the germs that you need to have, the good germs, the microbiome in your digestive tract, then your immune system doesn't learn tolerance well. And that's one of those things that is, is going to help your immune system do the right thing. It needs to know when to be tolerant as, when, as well as when to attack. Um, and our microbiome is also always keeping our immune system alert. Even the good guys keep our immune system alert. So just this process of sensing what's out in the gut microbes, in the gut lumen, which is the the contents within the digestive tract keeps our immune system sort of always active, always um, sensing what is out there. And so fiber is what feeds the good microbes in our gut. Um, so it's just incredibly important for that. In fact, you know, a lot of the studies have shown that what's really important in our microbiome is diversity of species. And that's what creates resilience in the microbiome. And if you think about it, yes, we can take a supplement that has some probiotic species in it, but we're really only going to take a couple of species or a handful at most. Um, I, that's still useful. And, um, you know, I do still use those in my practice for sure. But if you think about what fiber can do, fiber supports the diversity of many, many different species, many of which aren't even really available as a dietary supplement to take anyway. So we know that fiber is going to be important, um, as important, if not even more important than taking uh, probiotic supplements. And Fiber also has been shown in research studies, there's even a human research study on a particular type of fiber called arabinogalactans, which is, it's a fiber that you can find in carrots, in leeks, and a bunch of other different um, plant foods. And they studied this as an individual fiber, and they found that um, it decreased the episodes of colds by 23%, which is just a kind of incredible number for one humble intervention that you wouldn't normally think of for your immune system. So that, you know, it's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Very impressive. Um, another thing that uh, we discussed and before we started the show that really I felt needed to be brought to the table um, because it was one of those wow moments for me again is the role of vitamin D. Now, vitamin D is well known mm -hmm. for its, um, its role in you know, bone health. And I think we kind of have this idea that take vitamin D, it's good for your health. But in response to questions about where it intersects with our gut health, you've got some very interesting knowledge I'd love for you to share with us. Sure, sure. Yes, I know. So vitamin D obviously comes up a lot. So I'm sure all of your listeners will be familiar that, with, the, with the idea that vitamin D is going to be really important for health in many different areas. Bone health, we know of especially. But so in our immune system, there are certain places where I think, you know, it's not as well known that our that vitamin D is really acting. Um, one of them is with the regulatory immune cells that keep our immune system strong but not unruly. I'll keep saying that phrase, strong but not unruly, keeps it resilient. Um, and so that's very important for those. Then it also is a major regulator of different um, antimicrobial substances. These are called antimicrobial peptides that our immune system produces and releases onto 
the barriers that we have, especially the muco- mucus barriers. That would be our digestive tract. That would be, you know, within our nasal passages, our mouth, our lungs. And these antimicrobial peptides are, again, they're like um, antimicrobial ointments and they work generically on all different kinds of um, potentially harmful microbes. And so vitamin D is a major essential regulator of those. So, you know, that is often mentioned. Um, The other thing about vitamin D is, you know, we usually talk, so vitamin D is made by this process that starts off in the skin and then it goes to the liver and we produce a different metabolite of vitamin D. And then finally in the kidneys, we activate that to the sort of short living, but very important um, form metabolite of vitamin D. Well, one of the interesting things is that most of our immune cells can also do what our kidneys are doing and activate vitamin D into its most um, active form to be utilized. Um, so it's it's really pretty interesting that they actually contain the machinery to be able to do this. And these are the immune cells in the gut can activate the vitamin D. This is actually immune cells wherever they are operating. The gut is going to be a major place for immune cells around about 80%, 70 to 80% of any immune cells at any one time are hanging out in the gut because it's one of the biggest, most important barriers that it needs to police effectively. So does this mean that we should be upping vitamin D? Or does this mean still go back, get your blood work tested because we want the Goldilocks effect, not too much, not too little? Right, right. Well, most of us are going to need some more vitamin D than we're getting because we know that around um, at least a quarter of us are frankly deficient in uh, vitamin D, which is sort of less than the 20 nanograms per milliliter, which is conventionally considered deficient. Um, and we also know that up by from other data that up to 80% of us still have insufficient amounts of vitamin D um, to create optimal health or optimal immune health. And so, yes, vitamin D is going to be very important, but um, I generally recommend no more than 1,500 to 2,000 IUs per day in the wintertime um, for most people, but more if we know that you have a deficiency. So 25 OHD is the measure that you can look at in blood. Um, it's actually pretty routine to get that tested, uh, not usually too much of a problem. And that's what you want to be looking at to determine if you need higher levels of vitamin D. So it's really important to um, to find out if you're deficient because you may need higher doses to get yourself into a better range. But yes, you suggested that we want that kind of Goldilocks effect. So not too much as well as not too little. Um, and I generally go for the um, 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter range, which is what's recommended by the, um, the American Endocrine Society. Uh, with, with regards to supplementing, there are you know, generally two types that are on the market and people uh, can get confused or don't really understand the difference. So we have the D3 supplement and now we see a lot of supplements D3 plus K. Um, does it matter which one is one better than the other or are they, do they do kind of, does adding the K do kind of something different in some situations and you may want just the D in others? Well, I, I mean, I think vitamin K is actually always important to include with vitamin D. So where, where possible, I think it's a good idea, but here's why the vitamin K is now um, being included. And that's because Vitamin K is very important to help utilize the vitamin D in a way that gets calcium into your bones. And so what happens is, um, you know, vitamin D helps your body absorb calcium from the digestive tract. That's one of the main connections that we all know about vitamin D is that it supports bone health through its role in calcium metabolism. Um, But once you have calcium into circulation, you want that calcium to be deposited into bones to build strong, healthy bones, um, which are constantly turning over. So that calcium does need to be constantly used and replaced in the bone as well. 
Um, what happens if you don't have enough vitamin K, uh, which incidentally is found in foods like dark leafy green vegetables? So we do know that not all of us get enough of those, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, despite you know best efforts. And so if we don't have enough vitamin K, then we might be concerned about something like deposits of calcium in our arteries. And so if we think about measures like the coronary um, arterial calcium scores, that's the CAC scores that's often used in um, monitoring heart disease, that's looking literally at calcium deposits that might be um, around the heart blood vessels. And so Vitamin K is a nutrient that is required to get that calcium to not deposit in in soft tissue, such as our arteries, and to deposit instead into bone. And so I do do think that that's very important, especially if I know that somebody isn't getting enough vitamin K in their diet. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now let's talk about your book. Um, Congratulations. What an achievement. Um, Thank you to your children for bringing you to this place (laughs) of knowledge and sharing it with us. What, you know, we know what inspired you. What are you most proud of when it comes to this book? What maybe you have a favorite chapter or you found a piece of research that really, you know, brightened your day when you were writing. Is there one area that you like, you know, this is, this is really awesome. I really did a good (laughs) job on this. (laughs) Gosh. um, Well, how would I say it? I mean, it's been an incredible journey. I'm, I'm just really delighted to be able to write about this. It is just the topic that got me into this whole area in the first place. And I'm just completely passionate about it. And I I guess one of the things that I struggled with when I was coming to to this book and because I operate in the space of personalized nutrition and, you know, you're writing a book and you're thinking, gosh, I'm just writing this book. How do I, how do I incorporate any aspect of personalization in a book that is going to be the same for everybody? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, I really did think long and hard about that. And, um, you know, just to me, what we need to be able to do is understand all of these factors that influence our immune system and overall health and then understand where where we are against all of those factors. And so I've tried to bring in that level of personalization with quizzes and different ways to understand where you might fall against each of these um these factors that influence your immune system and then how to tweak what you're doing to prioritize what's going to help you best. And so, you know, that's, that's really what I wanted to try to do to bring that level of personalization into it. And in fact, um, if it's okay to mention this, I have to take it even further than what's even in the book. Um, I also created a free uh, personalization guide. Well, it's free actually for the moment um, and it's a companion workbook to the book. And so that will help take that personalization even further where you can create you know, your own um, personalized immune resilience plan based on what's in the book. And so um, I'm delighted to be able to offer that for free um, to anybody who sent me a copy of their receipt um, for the book purchase, um, which you can do via the contact form that's on either of my websites, which is romaleehodges.com or immuneresilienceplan.com. And I just need to receive that by April 15th. Um, and I will send you a free version of that guide. It will still be available after that time, just not um, as part of the free offer. So when does the book come into circulation? April 7th. April 7th. And on the major sites, we're in Canada. So Amazon. uh, All of the major sites, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you like to get your books. Well, wonderful. Congratulations for that. Uh, What what an achievement. Um, And it's, you know, it's a subject, of course, that I'm very passionate about. So congratulations, everybody. Um, Go and grab a copy of this book. It's, you know... I think, you know, what you laid out there, Romley, um, in in broaching the personalized versus the knowledge base, it's all, you know, in my estimation, it's always good to educate yourself. So find out how things work, but then step back and put it into perspective of everything else you've learned. And, you know, as, as we discussed, there are commonalities in supporting our health. And the idea that Romley is bringing out with her book is that understand where things may be falling short, do your adjustments, 
move forward. Do the best you can, start where you're at and make these small changes. And I think, you know, with personalized, you know, your personalized medicine and your personalized nutrition plan, this is what you're aiming to do with people, Romley. But, you know, thank you for the resource. Thank you for, you know, everything you've done to help people understand this. The immune system, obviously a hot topic at this point in our lives, but it's something that we need to give credence to every day of our life. So thank you for joining us and thank you for elucidating um, all of this to us. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you so much for what you do. And I think it's really about empowering all of us to, to just sort of know what to do. And even though everything can seem complex, we have these complex systems. It's really simple when you know what to do. So that I think is the take home message is that, you know, despite all the complexity and sophistication that we have in our bodies, um, when we know how to move forwards, it's really it really can be straightforward. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is where we need to go because I think with all the knowledge um, that we can get our hands onto, it can be very overwhelming. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. Knowledge is power, but understand that it, you don't have to move mountains to support this wonderful system that we have. And the knowledge that you give forth in the book is, you know, it just helps us to appreciate really appreciate. So awesome. And uh, thank you for taking the the difficulties out of this and showing us that there are, you know, easy steps that we can take to support our immune system. Wonderful. My pleasure. Everybody, we will talk to you next week on the Health Hub. been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.